Good morning, good evening, and good night, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another installment of Queer Voice here on Anchor.fm. Don't forget to download your Anchor app so you can hear this broadcast slash podcast. Um, Also, it is featured on several other uh, platforms that you can check out if you would like to. Queer Voice, I am your host, Michael Aaron Casades. I do thank you for joining us, joining me. Um, and I am ready to deliver you another um, another informative podcast. And uh, we'll see. So um, tonight's topics, uh, well, I wanted to probably continue on the trail of the fabulous for the squad, as it were, and uh, talk a little bit about that, since they um, have been on the news most recently, and I don't know, I think that uh, this is a very interesting situation that has garnered a lot of attention from many, many, many people, and um, yeah, it's kind of interesting where this focus has shifted, but uh, regardless of that, um, they had they were most recently uh, interviewed on TV, I think the first time as the squad or all four of the women who were attacked, supposedly, by the president um, to interview them, I guess. And uh, I don't know, it, it seemed more like kind of an expose on what they believed and what they thought and where they were going, which is fine because I guess that would be a formal introduction to the most of them, um, whereas America already knows who AOC, Alexandria, Ocasio, Occasional, Cortez, Cortex, who she is, um, Rashid Talib and Ayanna Presley, and oh, well, I forget, a lot of the world already knows who Ilhan Omar is as. Probably AOC and Ilhan are the most outspoken of the two. But again, I say that these four were not the only ones of the Justice Democrats because the Justice Democrats are whom represent them, who found them and uh, helped them get into office, um, the Justice Democrats. Uh, These four were not the only ones whom of that political party were elected. Um, There were, I guess, three others, uh, two governors and then one other, one other Congress, congressional representative. Um, I talked about them a couple episodes ago. I don't know, maybe I'll look them up and see how they're doing. I don't, we don't hear much about the other Justice Democratic, um, uh, I guess, elected officials, um, those of that party. So it's just an interesting party to bring out. And then during that interview, I think there was an interesting comment that was made uh, in regards to uh, kind of like the historical optics or the historical 
I don't know, the mirror uh, between uh, now and then, they were referring to a time when there was kind of a political backdrop that mirrored what was going on now with the president and other individuals getting into the, um, I guess, the, the duopoly that is our present government in the United States of America, the Democratic and Republican parties, which basically to me now would represent the American Socialist Party or something like that. Like, that is the face that is showing. I think regardless of what people may say, history will take a long view at what's going on. Anyways, so... As I was saying about the five and my point, which... I allow it to trail further and further away. Um, people of America don't really know about these as much, and the political backdrop that I was talking about, they say were, and uh, I believe this was Ayanna Presley, and I think she's really biting her her. She's really biting her tongue on some of these things. Like uh, she brings she brings up these interesting topics, but um, I, she's the one who had mentioned that uh, it was the weatherman, uh, underground people, politicians who'd gotten into Congress and stuff like that. And uh, I guess she may be comparing themselves to them because they were radicals as well, who caused a lot of um, I guess influx and. Uh, you know, exploded buildings and bombs and federal stuff like that. You know, uh, things that you wouldn't really want to take too lightly. But somehow, these individuals still end up as, you know, professors and teachers and, um, you know, uh, mentors of, of, of important figures in our political society, like, you know, Obama, for example. So... Anyways, let's uh, move back on to what I was talking about. So she brought that topic up, and I thought that was an interesting mirror. I thought thought that, you know, perhaps if not a mirror to themselves, you know, uh, it was very telling. Um, She seems like she is some sort of political, activistic, spoken word artist individual herself. Um, You know, credit due where it's due right. So um, I thought that was interesting. So... I spun off, but uh, definitely will continue talking about them. And then also, I guess before I get back to that entire topic, um, I just wanted to mention that um, I thought that this also was kind of taking some of the steam off of the entire Epstein case because there's a lot of stuff going on there. um, And you have uh, people speaking out, people coming out. You have individuals who are starting to um, come forward, and that would include those, I guess, really involved in human trafficking and child trafficking and other things involving children. So, um, this whole Nancy Drew, haha, no, Nancy Pelosi, AOC, and the squad type of um, politics and political arguments and stuff like that, while entertaining for, you know, Republicans and um, talking heads alike, um, I think is also very distracting. And, and they just keep using the word distracting. So, 
I think I would like to dedicate some time to Epstein, if not perhaps in this episode, perhaps in its own type of uh, series or something like that, where we can just talk about that and examine what that is, because it's very important, because not only was it a very important pathos of the... um, I guess the the underground patriot movement. Um, it was uh, it was probably the biggest smoking gun that that movement had that we had that you know we could pinpoint and say, and it was diluted in conspiracy theory, and we are now seeing that it is not because cases are coming forward, and even Epstein made. Sp- may talk as well to strike a deal which means a lot of names are going to drop and a lot of flies are going to fall and um it's probably going to change a lot of what history has told us because we're already seeing the connections of the victoria's secret maxwell's and um that wasn't the only name i vex something uh we'll get that pulled up but um anyhow uh like i said this is more of a lay show, so please do forgive me, especially for last episode. But anyways, that's why also I wanted to talk a little bit more about that whole situation because, I don't know, I was probably ranting a bit last night, but you can't expect me not to get comfortable, you know, after like a glass of wine or something like that. Um, speaking of episode four, my bad. But anyways, so as I was saying... Um, We'll do something like that, and we'll feature Epstein somehow like that, because I think that's very important that uh, we're able to talk about that entire situation and make sure it doesn't slip out of public mind. Um, it's it's downright as important as, you know, talking about the Federal Reserve and central banks and what they do and what, what they can do to countries. Now, I've had friends argue that... Um, they are good for countries and economies because um, valuable assets are finite and there may come a time, like at war, when we don't need finite currency. We need to be able to uh, grow and expand as much as we need to beat the enemy. But that is very understandable and uh, do forgive, my friend. It may not have been over war, but I know that was an example given. Um, but it does make sense. But again, like I do say, it does also depend on who is running that currency because when you have a banking financial family, um, which, I mean, point blank started with like the Rothschilds or, you know, those characters, um, you really have to wonder about intent and stuff like that. So if the intent is ill and the intent is to destroy the country or to maneuver it to do its own political will, and by it I mean the central bank and the financial entities that control that central bank, if they want the country to do what the central bank wants the country to do, then that is like political duress and they're using their economy as a weapon, which is something that we've seen happen before, um, a la whenever you uh, vote a certain way. They say the economy will crash, and certainly I would say a central bank would be smart enough, and by central bank, of course, I do mean the figures who run it. And while it might be compartmentalized and the workers there don't know what's going on. Those at the top 
have an idea, or maybe they don't, but it's being steered somehow. So it's downright possible and it has happened. You see that with um, Brexit, um, with the British leaving the European Union, which I think is the biggest thing. And that's another thing that we don't focus on as well, is the fact that this entire nationalism, which has been deemed as racist, which is ridiculous, this entire nationalistic movement is not just happening in America. The Enlightenment just didn't happen in Italy and, you know, in Europe. It happened worldwide. When they were having the great renaissance in Europe and in Italy and France, and they were doing all of those magnificent paintings and writing all of that magnificent writing and poetry and literature, America was having its revolution and was separating from the crown. And by way of that, by proxy, they were separating from the central bankers who were controlling the crown because that's how long this has been going on. And that was the prime reason why the American people decided to separate from the British. So keep that in mind when they rewrite the history books of America. It wasn't over no tea tax or stamp tax that this happened. That was probably just the spark in a really big powder keg, and it was going to go off, and it's going to go off again. So we need to remember those things whenever we're talking about this stance and that oh, I'm going to go off into it right now that is exactly another thing that I'm talking about with the community since we're talking about queer voice and we're talking about uh, those that represent our community and stuff like that it's a much bigger picture I believe in gay rights I believe in gay marriage and our right to be able to do things like that and I oppose those who don't <clears throat> and I would uh, remind you that we're going to talk about some people in a minute called the squad. So anyways, as I was saying, I believe in our own gay rights. And I know that that is something that has been fought hard. And I'm only acknowledging this because I am about to say that I think if we don't focus on the bigger picture, we're going to continue to make ourselves look like idiots, like we, we have fought so hard to be free and to, to steer our own destiny. Why would we allow these idiots to control our opinion and control our action by way of? Because I think that the gay and the LGBT can get a little bit more militant when it comes to this kind of topic and this kind of activity than your average gay man. So, or I'm sorry, your average straight man. So what I am saying is that we can't continue to do that. And it's ridiculous, some of the things that I see, and it's embarrassing. It's quite frankly embarrassing. Anyways, so let's get back on topic. As I was saying, <clears throat> we'll talk about Epstein. It's very important. It's very, very important for us to talk about Epstein. So, and we'll talk about the Federal Reserve, too, and banks. And we'll see how that turns out. But getting back to this squad, so they had this interview, and 
okay, something I can definitely say, propaganda, like big time propaganda. And when I sit there and I watch these kind of things, because I tend not to tune into things that come out on very mainstream, which would be, you know, broadcast TV, whatever that is now, big time propaganda. So they have this whole issue about reporters and about journalists giving opinions instead of like uh, just reporting straight facts and news. But then as I sit there and I watch this and I watch, it was this Gail Gray or whatever her name is, Oprah's lover, whatever. Oprah's name is on the pedo list. Anyways, so when I sit there and I watch this and I just think, God, it's total propaganda. I have to remember that it was made law again during the Obama administration where it became okay again to include propaganda and to disperse that to the people. And so then I think about, you know, like stars appearing out for them, like Beyonce and Jay-Z, whose names are also on the pedo list um, or the Epstein list, whatever you want to call it. And, you have um, shows that are coming out now. I can't remember what it's called, but like it has all of these new Democrats that are running for um, office or whatever. And I cringe at the thought that they're going to have an episode with Beto, Robert Francis O'Rourke in it. It's just going to be ridiculous. Um, I don't know that either of them could put up with each other just based off what I saw. So maybe they won't have an episode with him. Maybe the establishment is done with Robert Francis O'Rourke. But either way, uh, this entire show is propaganda. Gail, whatever her name was, was propaganda. Um, it was her opinion, and it definitely mirrored what her guests said. So definitely more of an expose, as if though it wasn't really a challenge or uh, something like that. It just seemed like... A, Uh, you know, um, bantering or pattering or whatever. So you had Omar talking, you had Ayana and um, Rashid, and then of course you had AOC who was present. And uh, just some things I thought that were funny was like, Omar had said something like um, the president, uh, as in President Trump, was the one who started the birther conspiracy. And I was like, I don't ever remember him being the one who started the birther conspiracy. So she may have just been talking loosely to fill space um, or fill the void that was coming from her mouth. But I don't think that's accurate. I don't know. I was going to check into it, but I didn't think it was important enough um, at the start of the show. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. So I think I could definitely probably like put a question mark by that point because I don't recall him having anything to do with President Obama from the get go or the jump. Um, I always knew him to be more involved with the Clintons. And, you know, maybe that does make sense because I think I heard it was from the Clinton camp that the birther conspiracy actually came from. Not the Republican Party and not the Libertarian Party and not the, uh, I don't know, I guess at that time it was the Occupy movement, um, which was very interesting because the Occupy movement gave birth to Antifa. Oh, goodness. It's just an it's disgusting. Um, but anyways, so 
she says that, and I'm just like, okay, whatever. And then, you know, um, I guess I know other things that she was going on about. And this was the main thing. Like, you had um, people like Ayana being very, like, you can tell what she's saying is there's action behind it. So something's going on there, but I don't know. Or maybe it's just that, I don't know, inward, outward passion that it just seems like there's something else going on there. Like she has a, a way of saying things is what I thought. And, and, and then you could tell there was that poetic cadence in some of it. So that's why I make fun of her being like a slam poet or like a spoken word artist or whatever they, um, whatever, uh, they, and I say they, because there's a very specific group as a writer myself, there's a very specific group of people that will use the same type of cadence when they are performing this type of poetry. And I guess that is the style, but as my mentor Cecil B. Demented says, style, or sorry, technique is nothing more than failed style. And um, it's definitely become more of a technique than a style because uh, it, it's, I don't know, I don't want to get into that. That's not even the point of this. So um, anyway, so you have that going on. And then you have, um, you have like uh, Rashid who... Uh, I don't know. She says that, like, she's like they're, like, normalizing racism. And I, I think that's when she was talking about uh, when they took the vote to see if um, if they were going to go uh, against Donald Trump's tweet about them and, and, and deem it racist or whatever. And, and, and when no one voted for it or hardly anyone or whatever, I think it might have just been them for, um, she said it was like they were normalizing racism. And she didn't say racism specifically, but that was basically the intent of what that was basically the intent of what she meant. So um, the thing about it is when I hear a statement about that, too, I think about them, them themselves, because they that is their their hot topic. That's their push button. You have AOC, who's going on about Nancy Pelosi being racist and calling individuals like that out within her own caucus. And then you have her go back on her words and say that that's not what she meant and and stuff like that. And I don't know. That was an interesting moment during that conversation, too. But I think, I don't know, maybe we're giving this more merit than it deserves. You just have these, these people saying these things. You know, you have... Um, what else was it that she was saying? Um, oh, it's not important. Uh, it was thought that she didn't speak too much, but I, th I thought that she spoke quite a bit. And then, um, I mean, we could really go on about Uhad Omar and some of the things that she was doing. She was just allowing so many of these, I don't know what they were. I would... They, she was allowing these narratives to thrive. Like I said at the onset, she had said that the president started the birther conspiracy. Okay, Omar. Well, she also went on about um, the Muslim ban, and she went on about um, it being racist, and she went on about... Um, I don't know, the, the, that whole notion that, you know, he hated colored people, and by he I mean the president, and I was just like, okay, for, like, for one, it's understood, you know, that the Muslim ban wasn't specifically against all Muslims, it was more of a vetting process, 
And yes, there were seven countries that were, I think, completely banned. But that was because we either were at war with them or they were terrorist-connected colonies or something of that nature. Um, and, and that did include her home country of Somalia. So um, that was interesting. Um, I thought it was also interesting when she started to call the border crisis manufactured. So I was like, again, it's a manufactured crisis, but it's still a crisis when you need it to be a crisis. So I thought that was very contradicting of the entire idea that they were standing for, particularly AOC and um, those who had gone down there and made such a scene. Um, and then you had Rashid Talim, and she she seemed, she like... Ayana seemed to be playing the defense the most of all of them, and um, they were definitely there, like on the defensive. I think, I think, I think Ilhan and AOC were definitely pulling their punches, but I think, defensively speaking, you had the two pillars on the end, and Rashid, who's definitely more, she's definitely the mature of the bunch, um, because I hate to admit, but most of these people are within my age group, and. Um, she just she she too continued the entire idea of racism and bigotry and and all of these isms that are disempowering to people and when people believe that of themselves or when people call that to other people it it is either taking away the power or you know giving away your power or losing it somehow and uh, they continue this practice, and she, of mo most of all of them, was was one of the ones that like stoked that fear um, because she was talking about like how she had heard her citizens saying things like um, ask, saying things about ICE and how that they would be able to come with warrants and 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 then I kind of thought about like you know their their political like head and that was like how nancy pelosi was going on about how they didn't have to answer the door because they were sending ice without warrants and 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 that basically stokes um a fear that can turn violent very easily and i thought that was very irresponsible of them to do and so she they go on about things like that you know and she calls the president a bully and you know she's not um She's not regretful of when she called him an MFR, pardon my French, but um, I don't think that, I don't know, she, and I mean, it's whatever. I mean, she said that many people talk like that in her neighborhood, and that's just the way they are, and, and so, you know, she's going to be real, and I've met people like that in my life, and, you know, I can't, I can't really say much to that. I mean, it, I as an, an individual, she said she didn't say it on the congressional floor, so she didn't feel that it was wrong for her to say it. Which, I mean, I guess if you're looking at it like that, I guess you could say whatever. But um, if if you're looking at it in general, it's like um, the words of an individual who's to be held to a higher standard just because of whom they are. Um, well, then, then yeah, definitely you would consider it inappropriate, and I would have to lean more towards the side of professionalism rather than being real, um, because I think that you can be real in some circumstances, but there are circumstances where you should probably real for professional. So that's basically 
the long and short of that. Um, but she didn't regret calling him that because she was being herself. And um, so she said that she just didn't regret it, which is, you know, whatever. You know, I guess you can respect a woman for holding to that truth. But um, I, I really would like to know, as a member of the Queer Caucus, or whatever you want to call it, um, there's very few... Uh, no, actually, there's probably a lot more than I think there are. We just haven't all come out of the closet yet. But we're coming. <laughs> Anyways, um, I really do wonder where some of them stand on issues for gay rights and individuals like myself. Because, you know, I never intended to or have the intent to, like, marry, for example. But that doesn't mean that it's not important for... Um, people in my situation, if you want to call it that, I don't know, people like me, I guess that's the better, a better way to say it. I, I'm sorry, I just, not as socially, um, I don't know, uh, not socially able as other individuals, I apologize, but um, as I was saying, people like me to be able to marry whomever it is that love, they love, you know, male or female, I guess that would be human, right? Um then that's the way that that should be. So, you know, it would be important to know. And, I mean, I guess in the end, they're not representing me here in Texas. Although I see more people who come from Muslim descent or who practice Islam and stuff like that. And um, I do understand that in countries where, like, Orthodox type or... I don't know, acute or something, I don't know how you would say it, but people who practice, like, uh, Islam, uh, or even radical Islamists, for example, um, they don't, uh, I mean, it's illegal to be a homosexual or a same-sex couple, um, so it would be important for me to know whether or not individuals like, you know, Ilhan or Rashid, for example, because I believe that they are listed as Muslim and possibly practicing Islam, I think AOC is Catholic, and I'm not sure about Ayanna um, Presley and what her beliefs are. I haven't looked into it that much, but um, I do know, like, uh, sometimes in some in some, some countries they throw you off a building if you were found to be lying with a man and you were a man. So that's like uh, there's very strict religious theocratic laws that some of these countries and some whom uh, I say countries, but it is religious belief, um, do subscribe to. So, and, you know, there is a such thing as religious freedom, but if you're going to bring that type of belief or that type of practice to a country that exclusively does not allow those types of things, then that's a different story. And I'm not saying that that is what they're doing, in fact. But I do know that there are certain areas in Europe now that have been overrun by um, that have been overrun by immigrants so much that they become their own towns, and they become no-go zones where you cannot go because you may be beat or murdered um, by individuals who are Muslim or Islamic believers that do not want you in their area of town. And there was an example that happened recently with, um, what was that artist's name? Aesop Rocky, I think. And he um, he was playing somewhere 
that was basically a no-go zone. You could look it up. They kicked the Muslim's ass because um, he was like, I don't know, five foot three, and he was trying to beat up like a six foot three dude. And he wouldn't stop even though they tried not to engage him. They tried to like basically like shoo him off, but he kept on going at them to the point that they had to basically defend themselves. And that entailed basically kicking his ass. Sorry, kicking his butt. But anyway, that's, that's a different story for a different time. But that's an important question to ask, though. Um, you know, do they believe in gay rights? Does, and I think that's, that's something that definitely, like, at first I thought that Ayanna Presley seemed very reserved, as if though she had bitten her tongue, and her whole bringing up queer voice and bringing it to the table, well, we're here, and I want to know now if, you know, Ilhan Omar supports same-sex marriage, um, or is she going to tell me that she does, and then just like she says with, um, you know, her anti-Semitic comments that, you know, that's not what she was talking about. So I think the only thing that we can do is take her for her word, but look at her actions. And that's where you will find your patterns, especially if you're not a person who believes that these individuals, um, uh, and I speak specifically of the Justice Democrats, who they are a progressive group um, that masks as a socialist uh, socialist uh, by way of idea and rhetoric, um, but run as democratic. So anyways, um, yeah, uh, I mean, radical Islamic, they, they are definitely ones that do not believe in... Um, they do not believe in same-sex marriage, so that is that is something that you would have to be careful for. Don't go vacationing over there, and I'm not being a fear monger. I'm being realistic. Um, you can look it up yourself, but um, anyways, that was just an interesting uh, thing that um, I experienced, and it, it definitely was propaganda, um, like this whole show that they have coming up on Showtime. I think I mentioned earlier, it's definitely propaganda. Um, but they're still they're still pushing this battle cry of, um, I guess, the new um, freshman class versus the established, um, I don't know, tenured class of the Congressional House. And it's very interesting because they they very much so do seem to be destroying themselves at this moment. And like I said in my... Um, previous episode, um, the Democrats have been forced into a place where their own ploys, their own, their own traps are being used on themselves. Like they're being used on they, like the, um, the trap of racism and, and using that against your political opponents by calling them racism and stunning them in that way. Um, it's being used on them because, you know, now Nancy Pelosi is a racist and Joe Biden is a racist, whereas the main focus used to be Trump is racist, even though that is currently the focus now, but that's because they're trying to impeach him. And that brings me to this point, because Al Green just um, filed motions for impeachment based on what he said is being racist. But here's the thing. It wasn't racist. But they're still um, forcing the hand of Nancy Pelosi to see which way she's going to go, you know, and that is still causing division within that own political party, which is still the main event that is going on right now. It's dominating the airwaves with all of the Mockingbird media or the legacy media, as it's also being called. Um, and it is... Um, it is taking up the space of what we would be finding out about like things like Epstein and... Um, 
yeah, it's just, it's a really big distraction. They said it several times. They use that word several times, distraction, 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 distraction. And it is just a distraction. I think we need to get that straight. Um, something much bigger is going on, and we're going to talk about that soon. Um, just don't forget, a lot of things are going on right now. And... Um, we still have those elements like Antifa, and they were talked a lot about today during the president's live speech in North Carolina. It was a rally, and he mentioned the Antifa a lot today. I think it's very important to be aware of the Antifa and also be aware of these Justice Democrats. But in the meantime, uh, there are things that we also should focus on and there are things that we should support. So, um, I would say continue to spread the word about Trump, but he's got it. Censorship is very important. Y'all need to tune into shows and to people that are being censored as well. If you're hearing this, you know, tune into Infowars, tune into all of the um, shows that that network has created. Um, they've done an ex expansive and extensive work of providing information for the general public with passionate people. So tune into them and tune into or, you know, look up the Drudge Report and find out what news he's reporting and what angles you're not getting from everybody that you usually watch. You know, tear away from those who've been lying to you this entire time. And don't forget that they're propaganda. They're nothing but propaganda. They're, they're going to tell you a certain way, not the true way. Um, you need to find a network that will give you the truth without the spin so you can make your own decisions. That's something that has been gone from this society. And that's something that people of a younger age may not even be aware of or know or understand unless it's rectified now. So... You turn off your CNNs. You can turn off your Fox TVs if you wanted to, but CNNs, MSNBCs, these people are paid shills. Paid shills to do the things that they do and say the things that they say. And to to run your emotions the way that they run them. And don't forget that. They're paid to do it. So there's no there's no real there's no real conviction to what might be said, other than the fact that they might need to be saving themselves from something, from a fate that they created for themselves. Because, as I keep saying, the Epstein trial and case is rolling. A lot of names are going to drop. And when we clean this out, when everyone sees the extent of the drainage... It's not just going to be politicians from the United States that disappear. And by disappear, I mean no longer used in the House or the Senate. They're going to be gone. But it's not just going to be politicians. It's going to be heads of journalism and news reporting agencies. It's going to be celebrities. It's going to be musicians and writers don't forget about them no one's gotten to them but there's a huge extensive i would say there's a huge extensive web when it comes to writers and the elites who run this world but i guess someone will pick that up 
I'm surprised that Stephen King is as involved as he is, but uh, it's even been brought to my attention that he's written some risque scenes involving children and sexuality, so that might be understandable. Epstein Island, but anyways, Lolita Express, Epstein is important. We'll talk about him shortly. All right. I'm going to bring this to an end then. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be live again. And when I am, I can't wait to hear what you think. Stay in the love, stay in the light. Have a good day and a good night. This is Michael Aaron Gossett signing off for Queer Voice.